Hello and welcome to the Cat Maste Chronicles podcast. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from pet owners about their projects, businesses and ventures. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, founder of Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with pet owners to chat about their individual journeys and of course, their beloved pets. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Hello and welcome to the Cat Mash Day Chronicles podcast episode 42. This week we are joined by Melanie Torres. She's a wonderful woman and I absolutely adore her IG page, blog and her infectious good energy. Melanie's blog, Headstands and Heels, has such a feel-good vibe and I love keeping up to date with new and older posts. Mel started her career as a digital strategist, which led her to pursue a current passion slash career as a wellness entrepreneur, certified yoga instructor and content creator. She is also an avid tea lover, particularly with the matcha kind, which I absolutely love too. She's also a very proud pup mum to two wonderful rescue dogs, Nina and Chip. She shares some wonderful heartfelt stories about them and I'm so excited about this podcast recording and I've been looking forward to speaking to Melanie for some time now. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us today, Melanie. I'm so impressed by everything you do and as I mentioned, I have really enjoyed reading your blog. I've briefly introduced you but if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, that would be amazing. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. I'm just so excited to chat with you. And I know you gave the brief intro and you did such a great job with that. Um, I am a digital strategist. I basically went from becoming a digital strategist um, and working in the marketing field for six years to becoming a full-time wellness blogger. And I am based here in New York City. I have been practicing yoga for about seven years and went through my 200-hour teacher training back in 2018 and have been teaching mostly online, kind of sporadically with events and through brands ever since. Um, Mostly on my blog and my Instagram, you'll see a lot of healthy habits different matcha recipes, healthy recipes in general. You'll see my two rescue pups, Nina and Chip, because they love making appearances with me, especially when I'm doing yoga or any type of workout at home. And I really just love to encourage women to prioritize their mental and physical health and practice self-care and self-love. Yes, I love that you're all about this. And I think it's so important to practice that now more than ever since we've been really struggling in um, during the pandemic and in a lockdown. So I think now more than ever, people should definitely turn to self-love and wellness. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So let's start from when you decided to change your career from working as a digital strategist to becoming a wellness entrepreneur. How did this all start? How did your career change happen? 
Well, I'll start by saying it wasn't something I ever intended to happen. And in fact, I was quite adamant even when I started my blog that it was only going to be a fun hobby of mine. It was a side hustle. That's how I referred to it. And I wasn't going to be pursuing it as a full-time career. And at the time, I really didn't even think a full-time job as a wellness entrepreneur was a possibility. Um, At that time, I was working in the digital marketing field and had really set my mind on climbing the corporate ladder. I was really loving what I did as a digital strategist. I was working with a lot of very big global beauty brands and was learning so much along the way at this really giant PR firm. Um, But as time went on, I fell more and more in love with blogging and the community that came with it and all the other things that it entailed. And I was able to start monetizing it through brand partnerships very early on. So by the second year, it was in a place where I could see the trajectory where it would potentially surpass the income that I was making as a digital strategist. And that made me pause to think about the track that I wanted to take. And I knew that there would eventually become a crossroads where I would have to choose to invest more of my time in my career at the PR agency or whatever brand I decided to work with within the marketing world, or I would basically cut that off and become a full-time wellness blogger. Um, So I ended up just thinking a lot about it, praying about it, and the more I thought about it, the more I felt like it would be a missed opportunity to try being an entrepreneur and see where it took me. I really didn't want to look back 10 years from now and go, what if I had just tried to make it on my own? What would have happened? So flash forward, now it's been about three years of being my own boss, being um, doing this full time, and I really wouldn't trade it for anything. It's brought me so much joy, so many opportunities that I wouldn't have ever thought were possible. And even though this wasn't the career path that I originally took, it has been such a blessing in so many ways. And I'm I'm very, very thankful for being able to take this path and, and do what I love every single day. 100%. When you do something you love, it doesn't feel like work. It's just, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful feeling. And you feel like you want to continue when you're motivated um, in comparison to, I guess, working for a company in a role that you may not have the same passion about. Exactly. And when you're working for a company too, I think what I always stepped back and thought about was that what was the impact I was having in the world um, in general? And I was like, how am I helping people? And I, although I loved what I was doing and I was helping the company, I wasn't necessarily passionate about what the company was selling or what they were doing. So when I was able to blog, I could be really picky about the products that I pushed or the brands that I partnered with or just anything that I showcased. It was all something that was very natural to me and things that I truly loved and wanted to endorse. And that was the impact that I wanted. I wanted to find a way to help people better themselves, whether that be through working out or trying yoga or deciding to eat some more plant-based meals. And um, this path really allowed me to take that approach and impact people, I hope, in a very positive way versus kind of being siloed in an agency working for one company that I wasn't necessarily passionate about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I absolutely love your branding and your blog name, Headstands and Heels. Why did you choose this name? Is there a story behind it at all? 
Oh, well, thank you. Um, so my husband actually came up with the name, which is kind of oh, hilarious. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's not in marketing at all. He's a software engineer and he's, I wouldn't consider him a creative. So I think it's kind of hilarious that he chose this. But, um, <laughs> we were brainstorming together. I'm a big fan of alliteration. So we were just kind of rifting back and forth on what we think could embody what I wanted. And that was, especially at the time, I wanted to convey a balanced lifestyle, showcasing um, myself being very feminine, working in a corporate setting, hence the heels, because that was a big part of my life. And um, also like an interest in fashion and kind of being a little bit more trendy, while also showcasing this love for yoga and fitness, which sometimes I think the two are kind of polarizing. So I really wanted to showcase this balance and headstands and heels fit the bill perfectly. So I decided to roll with it. It's a really good name. Your husband should be proud of himself. I think he needs to help some more companies because brilliant. Considering he's not a creative, like wow. I know, right? Thank you. I'll let him know. I'll let him know that you're impressed. Yeah. Um, so what are your biggest aims and goals for your brand you've created? And where do you see it going in the next, say, five years? Sure. So my biggest goal has always been to cultivate a community of women who are really interested in self-care, personal growth, and expanding upon their wellness journeys, whatever that might mean to them. So I've been really excited to see this community grow and evolve as I grow and evolve. And I'm hoping to provide more opportunities to host meetups and potentially even bigger retreats, um, even if they have to be virtual for now. But just finding bigger ways to bring people together has always been a goal of mine and something I really, really want to focus on in the coming years. It's hard to say where where this will all be five years from now because social media is constantly changing and um, it's something that I have to keep up with and grow with. But one of my other personal goals with that goes alongside the brand is to grow and strengthen my skills as a yoga instructor. Yeah. So I've created many fitness challenges before. I've taught yoga classes for my community before, but I really want to find a way to take that a step further, maybe with some regular programming or bigger community challenges um, where we could bring people together and they feel like they're part of something like a bigger community, not just me pulsing out content and then engaging with it, but more like they feel like they're part of the Headstands and Heels brand. So that's where I see it going. Um, not quite sure the direction uh or the path it'll be to get there but that's what I'm hoping for yeah I, I don't know about you but since the lockdown and and with starting my podcast I, um I've been able to kind of connect with people all over the world which has been amazing and I think I never would have really I don't know taken that approach before and I wouldn't have really connected with people before so perhaps that could be like you said a virtual retreat maybe you could connect with people from all over from the UK and beyond which would be also equally amazing. Yes, absolutely. I think that's the beauty of social media is that right here I am talking to you and we are in two different countries and I can I can do that with so many people around the world. And I think that's just the beauty of the age that we're in. Yes, it is. It is. And it's wonderful for connecting with people. Um, I'd love to talk to you more about yoga, which is obviously one of your passions. And I've spoken 
quite a lot about it on this podcast, as I believe it's an impactful practice that allows you to achieve not only physical gains, but mental gains too. So you mentioned earlier that you had already completed your 200 hours of, of yoga um, practice so that you could become a practitioner. So what, what has the journey been like for you? When did you actually start getting involved with yoga yourself? Yes. So I started practicing yoga about seven years ago. Prior to that, I really wasn't the physical exercise type, I guess you could say, which is funny. It always um, astounds some people because most people who are in yoga have either been in dance or gymnastics or some sort of physical form before that. And I never found a form of movement that I truly loved. But When I walked into my first yoga class, I was 24 years old and I had just gone through a really horrible breakup. So I was emotionally shattered and I still remember the feeling that the class gave me afterwards, just laying in Shavasana after moving. Um, It was such a sense of grounding and support that I really, really needed at the time. And so I dove fully in and I joined Instagram. I discovered that there was a huge yoga community on here with lots of monthly challenges to help deepen your practice. So I started an account called Mel Yoga One, which was purely just so I wouldn't spam my friends and family with yoga photos. Um, I just wanted a separate place for that to document my journey and connect with yoga teachers and people who were interested in yoga and kind of learn from there. And without that first Instagram, I would have never ended up turning it into a blog a couple years later. So even though what I share now covers a whole range of healthy habits and topics, yoga will always be at the center. It always holds a special place in my heart. And that's also why I decided to pursue my yoga teacher training Mm -hmm. and really deepen my knowledge there. And I want to continue with that for sure, because I think it's something that you need to always be learning and growing in. And 200 hours wasn't necessarily enough for that. Yes, I actually did some yoga practice a little when I went to Delhi and India. Um, And that was such an amazing experience to wake up so early, I think maybe 5am in the morning and and just go onto the rooftop and and to practice some yoga. That was just a beautiful feeling. And I can completely relate about the feeling um, that you kind of said when you were 24 and you walked into your first yoga class. Um, I was also struggling before with some um, kind of anxiety and a little bit of depression. And I remember I did a yoga class and after the, after the class, I almost wanted to cry because it was just such a release of, of energy and it felt so good. Um, and it's something I definitely need to pick back up um, now that the lockdown has eased. I was actually going to regular yoga classes, but I definitely want to to get back involved with yoga as well. Yes, I mean, it's always there for you, right? And it it ebbs and flows. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it is that it's there for you in different parts of your life. And um, it's there for you to turn to whenever you may start feeling like anxious again. So I love that you you had a solid practice. And now that the lockdown has lifted, you get to resume that as well. No better feeling than being in a yoga studio with other people around you. It's, It's such a wonderful feeling. It is. It is. So what type of yoga do you actually practice? Because there's so many different types out there, isn't there? 
There is. There's so many. And I primarily practice vinyasa yoga. Yes. Um, And so the classes when I do teach them, which is mostly just like maybe once a month, um, it's very sporadic at this point. They're almost always in a vinyasa or power flow format just because I love the continuous movement. Uh Yeah, I love that's one of my favorite as well, because it's it's got enough movement for me to not feel I wouldn't say bored but like I'm kind of like fidgety person so um I like to be in kind of constant flow so that's what I really love as well I love that type of yoga yes same the one breath one movement it just keeps you going yes definitely um have you had any big changes to how you've been practicing since the current lockdown I'm not sure what it's like in New York at the moment um in the UK it's it's still quite bad but we're slowly easing um the lockdown procedures so what what has it been like for you oh yes my practice has been kind of sadly entirely different since COVID Um, I used to attend yoga classes very regularly at various studios around New York, but I haven't been back to a formal class since the start of COVID. And even now, some of the fitness studios have finally reopened, but many of the yoga studios that I used to practice at and even the one where I got my teacher certification closed down permanently Mm. um, because of COVID which is so sad to see. Um, The thing about yoga studios here, especially so many of them were on a, uh, I guess what you would say is like a cheaper class format where they would rely on the volume of people attending. And so because of the restrictions where you have to limit the number of people in your class, they just really couldn't sustain themselves here. So my practice has obviously turned to either looking at classes online, a lot of virtual classes, um, or just trying to flow on my own, which I'm thankful I have such a a, a knowledge of it that I'm able to come up with my own flows. I started turning to more forms of fitness, um, just a lot of sculpt and Pilates instead. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't love yoga. It's not that I don't still do it. But for some reason, I've been drawn to these other formats a bit more. And I think it's just because when I'm in a home environment working out, I need something that is uh, a little bit more rigorous, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was turning to, to different methods. But still love yoga. We'll definitely be getting back into it a bit more regularly, especially as I can start going back to studios. Exactly. That's what I'm waiting for too. I'm waiting for the studios to open here because I don't really have much space as well in my home. So um, it, it makes a lot of difference when you can have like a whole room. And I think it's quite, you know, easy to do if you're socially distanced within the class and the mats are socially distanced I think it should be fine but now that the weather's nicer even some outdoor yoga would be amazing oh yeah absolutely um so you also host pup and human yoga classes I was absolutely mind blown by this because it's not something that really happens in the UK so I'd love to find out more about that I think it's so cute 
<laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's kind of funny. I think there's some people who are like, oh, wow, that seems really strange. But a lot of people are intrigued by it. And I've seen dog yoga classes before. Um, so it was something I tried with a friend originally two years ago. We ended up doing it to raise money for a local animal rescue group. And we were able to partner with a local hotel here in New York City to host it. And it was just so fun. And we realized what a great experience it was, not only for the dog owners, but for the dogs as well, because <laughs> really feed off of our energy. So you have all of these pups and humans in a room. At first, the dogs are going crazy because it's a social environment. But as soon as you start the yoga and the breath work, it's amazing to see how they calm down as well and how much they just want to be near their humans. So we had so much fun. And during the lockdown here, too, as well, I really wanted to do some more Zoom events. And because my dog, Nina, has been practicing with me so much and I was showing that on Instagram, I figured it made sense to try offering it up to people. And we basically did another dog yoga charity class on Zoom earlier this year, just a few months ago, and it was a huge hit. We raised a few hundred dollars for Social Tees Animal Rescue, which is where we got my dog Chip. And I just loved seeing everyone flow with their dog, even though it was on a screen, I could still see just how much joy they were getting out of it. And I want to plan another one again after I move. Oh, that would be awesome. Please like keep us up to date with it because I would love to see. I don't have a dog, but I really want to get a dog. I just love how excited they are and so responsive to our emotions, as you said. Like I can imagine their little tails wagging at the beginning and then like kind of like getting into it. And of course, the pose downward facing dog. I mean, it's perfect. Oh, yes. They're basically made for it. There's puppy pose, there's downward dog, and, you know, they're so much better at it than we are. So in many ways, they're teaching us. Yeah, yeah. They're our teachers. I always say that animals are our biggest teachers. We can learn so much from them. 100%. And that goes for yoga as well. Yeah. (laughs) So I also love how you create different themes for your yoga classes such as um you had a Christmas candlelit yoga and I wish I knew about it back then in Christmas time because I would love to have joined in and you've also collaborated with some other brands such as Adidas, MindBody and Love Squad. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, thank you. Um, That was so the Christmas candlelight uh, class was one of my favorite classes to date. And I did have the opportunity to partner with the brands that you mentioned um, at their headquarters, and it was so much fun. So for Adidas, as an example, Ali, the founder of Love Squad, invited me to teach a 20-minute class and follow it up with a brief panel-like discussion. So this was actually at the Adidas store, the main one here in New York City, Um, and it was a beautiful event. Tons of, I think it was about 50 or so women who came, and it was just so much fun. Um, And then with MindBody, I was partnering with the San Luis Obispo Tourism Board, which is out in California. And they flew me out there to document all the different things that Slow had to offer. And MindBody is actually based there. That's where their HQ is. So they asked me to teach a class at their headquarters in honor of um, International Yoga Day. So that was a really awesome experience as well. Um, So I love partnering with brands. 
to do yoga classes. I, I've done quite a few others as well, just over the years. And it's always so fun because we can, when you partner with a brand, you're also able to make it a full experience where it's not just the class, it's the apparel that people get, it's the activities that come after, it's the discussion. So it's a really well-rounded thing. And I hope that once the world goes back to normal, I'm able to do that again. <laughs> we'll see. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it would be, it's it's such a communal feel as well, um, especially if it's a brand that you're connected to. Like Adidas, for example, a lot of people love that brand in the UK. So um, if you were to pair the two um, with yoga, um, that would be, yeah, definitely amazing um and it's it sounds like you have so many opportunities out in new york city i think there's kind of less here when i think about it but it would be such a cool idea if we had that in the uk as well well you never know maybe they'll start bringing those over because i think it's it's such a cool experience and i know plenty of people in the uk that would love to do something like that so yeah definitely (laughs) so what i really admired about you was your philanthropic work for charities such as Social Tea NYC which you mentioned earlier and Mental Health America. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that as well? Yeah so I'm in a position where candidly I make enough money from brand partnerships that I didn't necessarily feel like I should take the money for myself from any of my yoga classes. Um, mostly because giving back is so important to me. And one of the ways I felt that I could do that was to make my yoga events be 100% donation-based and specifically go towards organizations that needed it most. And whether that was Social Tea's Animal Rescue, which was for the dog yoga class, because that went hand in hand, or we did Mental Health America for my January Intentions yoga class, Um, basically I gave my audience an opportunity to share charities that really meant a lot to them. And I tried to incorporate their feedback into the organizations that I ended up choosing to donate to, to have these donations go towards. Um, so that was just really, honestly, I can't take all the credit for that because it was really the generosity of all of the people who came to the yoga classes that were able to do that. But I'm just happy that I had a platform and a way to kind of bring people together and offer them something that they felt was a, a good way to, to give back and also get something out of it as well. I mean, I think you definitely should take more credit because, of course, the donors are amazing. But for the fact that you've actually decided to raise money for charities and um, to give to such good causes and not kind of keep any of the money for yourself, that just kind of shows to me what kind of person you are. And it sounds like you have a really beautiful soul. Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. I just know that the world needs so much help in so many different regards. And I wish that I could give to every organization out there. Um, but obviously, I had to to whittle it down to the ones that I thought were really relevant, especially during the pandemic. And, and I think that's why Mental Health America and also Feeding America were two big ones that I chose just because there was such a need for that throughout COVID. I mean, there's always a need, but there is especially a need now during during this time. Exactly, exactly. Well, you should give yourself a pat on the back. Honestly, <laughs> it's, it's really inspirational. I want to do more like that as well. So you're really inspiring me right now. <laughs> oh, thank you. That means a lot. 
So I'm super excited to find out that you love matcha tea because I'm also a huge fan. And I was fortunate enough to um, have once taken part in a Japanese tea ceremony event in London. So where did your love for matcha come? And what are your what are some of your favorite things to make with it? Well, one, a traditional tea ceremony in Japan sounds so lovely. I really want to visit Japan. That is very high on my list. So I guess I will live vicariously through your experience. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was actually in London. Um, I also really want to go to Japan. Um, but it was um, at a Japanese store in London. And they had um, to have a Japanese day and a tea ceremony with people who flew in from Japan. Um, and it was just amazing. It was free as well. Like, I couldn't believe it. So even better. My lucky day. (laughs) Amazing. Well, that is wonderful. It sounds lovely. Um, I started getting into matcha about four years ago, and I really have to thank New York City for that just because prior to living in New York, I lived in Florida and matcha was kind of hard to come by. But when you're here, there are so many beautiful matcha cafes that really specialize in it. So I was very impressed, not just with the taste and the health benefits, but I also loved how versatile it could be. Mm. Um, So for myself, I love making my matcha lattes, my iced matcha, but I also love incorporating it into baked goods because like I said, it is very versatile and it also acts as kind of this natural food coloring. Um, So I recently found a recipe for these turtle shaped matcha maple tahini cookies. So these healthy cookies that look like turtles and you use matcha to make the shells green and they turned out so cute and they tasted amazing so I just love finding unique things like that to try taking matcha to the next level yes and that is so kawaii um as they say in Japan like the little turtles and I can imagine like because and people in Japan usually love really cute little things like little turtles or hello kitty or (laughs) little pets so um yes very in the theme of of Japan and matcha and I can imagine that they do taste amazing yes it was great I'll say you the recipes oh, so you can try please it. do please do I'll, I'll attempt I'm sure they'll probably not be as good as yours but I will <laughs> definitely attempt and I'll I'll send you a photo oh yes I would love that <laughs> <laughs> um so talking about healthy food clearly you're also a foodie like myself and share healthy veggie and vegan options on your IG um can you tell us a bit more about that and what some of your dishes Um, what some of your favorite dishes are to make and eat. Sure. So I'll admit, firstly, that my husband is the chef between the two of us. But yes, he loves to cook, which is a great thing for me. Yes. (laughs) But I can also hold my own with some of the healthier dishes as well, especially since he likes to go more of a traditional route. Um, And I consider myself a flexitarian. So I don't eat pork or red meat, but I, and I have what I consider like a primarily plant-based diet. So a lot of my go-to dinners are mostly what I consider market bowls. 
um, which are basically a combination of grains. You can choose like farro or couscous or quinoa. And then I top that with my favorite roasted vegetables, maybe some feta cheese, sauteed greens, usually kale, and maybe some tempeh for extra protein. And it's just very easy to make. And I love that you can switch it up with whatever happens to be in season, especially if you're going to farmer's markets and getting whatever the latest produce is. Um, so that's definitely something that I, I love to make regularly. But when it comes to what I like to eat, as you kind of mentioned, I am a foodie. People are kind of surprised sometimes because I'm in the wellness world that I do love pasta and I do love pizza. Mm-hmm. And I don't eat them every single day, but I believe that there is a healthy balance. And I'm a big fan of trying new things and eating new delicious foods. So I really don't let my diet restrict me when it comes to that. Yeah, I think that's the best way. In life, balance is key. So, you know, it's better to be happy and healthy than unhappy and healthy. That's how I see it anyway. (laughs) Exactly. No, it was a perfect way of putting it. And I think food brings us so much happiness, especially for me. And like, what is the point of living in a a city like New York or London, where there's so many beautiful restaurants and amazing cuisines to try? And where you wouldn't be able to eat that if you restricted yourself too much. So that's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, 100%. My boyfriend is a personal trainer. So before he met me, he was um, very rigid with his diet and he he ate clean for majority of the time. And then he met me and he said that I ruined everything for him because <laughs> I love food. And now he loves my food or we go out to eat, but he seems much happier for it. I mean, he's not eating clean, but he's definitely eating good. Yes. And he, and I'm sure he is much happier of a person with it because eating clean is great. And it's obviously a lifestyle. If you choose it, it's wonderful. Um, But for me personally, and it sounds like for you too, it's just nice to have a well-rounded approach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a treat now and then. um, And that's absolutely fine. I think. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Um, So I really appreciated your IG um, highlight post for BLM. Um, And last year, especially in 2020, um, it was a huge global discussion and um, topic that was spoken about in many countries. And as a biracial person of colour, I respect that you positioned yourself as an ally and you use your platform to give voices to bloggers of colour so that they can share their experiences and stories. So why was this important for you to do? I mean, I think the real question is, why would anyone not want to be an ally to people? Right. It's it's been clear for me um, my entire lifetime that black people, as well as Hispanic and Asian, are not necessarily dealt the same hand as those of Caucasian descent. Yeah. And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that white people don't have to work hard for what they have. The way I really see it is that if life was like a racetrack, black people and other people of color have so many more hurdles to jump over to reach that finish line. And last year with what happened to George Floyd, Mm -hmm. it really brought a lot of the injustice to the surface and it caused so many people to stop and think about the systems that are in place, especially here in America. And as someone with a platform, it's just so important for me to make my position known 
And my hope is that by sharing and by advocating for things that are really important um, that are happening in the world, that it just sparks genuine conversation and maybe causes people to question the way things are handled. Um, I love my country so much and I really want the best for it. And for me, that means being willing to grow and progress, especially if you see things that aren't working well. Um, And if you start seeing and noticing that systemic racism still has such strong roots in a nation that prides itself on being the land of the free. So that is why in June, when BLM really became, uh, not that BLM wasn't around before, but when it came to the surface and there are protests all over the world, I really wanted to be able to take a step back from my everyday wellness content and be able to focus on what was happening because that was the most important thing. And, um, and even now I hope to always, even though I share so much of my own lifestyle and it's still going to be my own life because it's my platform, um, I don't want to ignore big social issues that are going on Um, I just don't think that that's responsible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of people just kind of posted, you know, that black uh, square and kind Mm -hmm. of like, and that was it. But when I looked at your page, I could see that you were kind of doing more than that. And that that felt nice to kind of see. Um, And I know you said, you know, that everyone should be doing it, but sadly, everyone isn't. So um, it's just really nice to, to, to see that people like you are kind of positioning yourself that way and, and using your platform in the right way. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. You're I know everyone has differing opinions on it. And um, it was, I, I do, I will admit that it was difficult at first to, to know how to use my platform for that because I had never... I've never, I've never been like a social justice advocate. I am not an activist and I don't claim to be. So it was a little bit of an interesting territory to go into, but I'm really happy that I did because I, it ended up leading to a lot of great conversations mm-hmm. with people. And it also really allowed me to kind of dig a bit deeper into areas that I wasn't super familiar with as well. So it was a growing experience all the way around. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the best, you know, that's, that's all we can hope for growth and and learning. And I think that's just the most important two things to do um, when it comes to moving forward in in society in the UK and the US. Yes, 100%. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now moving on to my favourite part of the show, and I'm sure it'll be yours as well, pets. So can you tell us a bit more about your life and journey with pets so far? Yes, I have always been an animal lover. I had a few parakeets and some fish when I was in elementary school because I was begging my parents for a dog and they just didn't feel like I was ready yet. But when I was in middle school, my mom surprised me with my first family dog. Um, She was a dachshund who I named Brownie. Mm -hmm. And she was my everything. Loved her so, so much. She lived a beautiful 13 years until I sadly lost her to heart disease. And this, this was, I guess, seven years ago, because a few months after she passed, I saw Nina's profile on Pet Finder. 
Um, and I was just so drawn to her. I went to visit her foster mom and I got to meet her and I fell in love with her personality immediately. <laughs> so yeah, I basically adopted her right there. And now I have her and I just rescued, uh, my husband and I just rescued our dog Chip two years ago. So now that's how we have two. Cute. Such a cute little family. Thank you. And I guess like it was like moving f- like from the obviously tragic loss of Brownie, I guess it was a welcomed kind of like new dog, not to distract you from obviously grieving from Brownie, but um, I guess it was nice to have a new dog come into your life after that. Yeah, I, to be honest, after Brownie died, I was I was so devastated and I did not think that I was going to adopt another dog anytime soon. Um, But my dad was the one who found Nina on Pet Finder. I wasn't searching. Um, He found her and he sent the profile and he's like, you know, just in case you wanted to look and see. Um, She looks like some, like a dog that you would really love. And, um, and so I gave it a shot just, I was like, I'm going to go see, I'll visit, I'll see. And, I fell in love with her and it was, it was such a welcome, um, like kind of what you said, it was so beautiful because she couldn't replace Brownie. Yeah, exactly. Um, Her personality was entirely different. Her mannerisms were so different, but it was still something that allowed me to give my love something else and not just sit in my grief. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So it, she really came at such a, a wonderful time. I, I think it was definitely fate for us to be together. Yeah. <laughs> I read um, your very moving story about Nina. And to be honest, it was really quite upsetting for me to read. Um, but seeing how happy she is with you now made me smile. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, I know it's uh, quite a sensitive story, but would you mind sharing a bit about um, Nina's story and a little bit more about her? Yeah, so, you know, nobody ever wants to see or hear stories of animals who were abused or uh, mistreated and when I adopted Nina, I really didn't know much about her background until I brought her to my veterinarian mm-hmm. um, who had been, you know, seeing Brownie before that. And my veterinarian recognized her and said, oh, this is the Skyway dog. And I was like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? And in Florida, there's a large bridge. It's called the Sunshine Skyway. It goes between St. Petersburg and Tampa. It's the largest bridge in Florida. And Nina's previous owner had driven to the top of this bridge and tried to throw her off. Um, Thankfully, they were unsuccessful. They threw her out of the vehicle and she landed still on the bridge, not she didn't land in the water. And there was a good Samaritan driving behind them and saw the whole thing happen, pulled over, which is illegal on this bridge. You are not supposed to stop because it's so high up but she pulled over she saw Nina just laying there grabbed her brought her straight to my former vet my veterinarian and um that's that's basically where they nicknamed her the Skyway dog and it was clear that she was 
pretty mistreated before that. Um, obviously, if the bridge throwing wasn't a, a sign, there were also a lot of other signs that she had just been pretty emotionally mistreated. And she has a lot of scars from that. She's very mm-hmm. untrusting of new people. Mm-hmm. So even though she looks so cute and friendly and happy on um, my Instagram, which she is, she's so loving and, and cuddly and happy with me. She still is very hesitant around mm-hmm. meeting strangers. And that's just something I don't think she'll ever really get over. But once she accepts you into her family, um, into her little friendship circle, she is the most loving dog you will ever meet. (laughs) I think it's all about energy with dogs as well. Like when they sense that you're like a good person and an animal lover, I don't know about you, but I seem to be like the cat and dog whisperer. Like they always come up to me (laughs) and it's so cute. I absolutely love animals. So it, it, it's it's an overwhelming feeling when you know especially if they've had a difficult um past like this for then them to just love you unconditionally it's just like you are so cute like despite everything that Nina may have been through she's still got love left and she still loves you so much so that must just be such an overwhelming feeling Oh my goodness. It really was, especially after hearing her story. I was just like, she latched onto me so quickly. Um, and I basically joke that she's like my spirit animal because we have many of the same, like she like mirrors me in so many ways in an animal way, of course, but she, but she's basically me as an animal. So (laughs) I, I love her so much. I I really like couldn't have asked for a a better dog, um, a better like fur baby at all. It was fate and also amazing that she was fostered before you were able to like take her. I admire people who foster animals because I think it's such an important step for them before, you know, it's better than being in like a a dog pound or in a kind of rescue centre. Oh my goodness. It's, it's so much better. And I'm glad that there are organizations similar to social teas. Um, the one where we got chip where they don't have a physical shelter location. They're entirely um, based off of having foster volunteers. And that to me allows the dog's personality to come out and for you to re- truly understand um, what type of home the dog should be in because when they are in a shelter they close down and it's impossible to really know um, what their needs are honestly this makes my heart so happy knowing that she's with you and she's happy now like I love hearing rescue stories even the sad ones especially if there's a good ending yes thank you so I'd love to know more about your other doggo, Chip. Um, and you spoke about um, ha- getting him from um, social teas. So I'd love to find out a little bit more about his character and also about his relationship with Nina. How are they together? <laughs> well, they are amazing together, which I think is such a blessing. We really wanted to make sure that when we did adopt a second dog, that Nina had final say. So she came with us when wow. we did ship, and she took to him immediately, like really <laughs> just became like the big sister um, and took him under his under her wing. Um, Chip had a really rough background, probably even more so than Nina. Um, wow. just because he came originally from Tennessee and was in a hoarding house for 
three years of his life. Mm. And they basically, they didn't show pictures or anything, but they painted a lovely picture of what it was. And it's just, it was a very sad environment, about 30 other dogs with him. So I don't think he ever really had any human affection. Um, he was very timid when we got him and this was my first experience with a hoarding dog. And I had to do a lot of research on what are, what is normal with them? How do you train them? Because for three years, he really wasn't communicated to. Mm -hmm. So he hid a lot when we first got him, he used to hide under entertainment center and our dresser all the time, but having Nina was such a vital part of his growth because he, I would watch him. Like he would really look to her for everything. When I was playing with Nina and Chip like refused to play with us for a bit, he would watch her play and that would give him the confidence to be like, okay, it's a good thing. It's good for me to play with her too. Or if Nina would like go outside for a walk, he was feeling more confident because she was there too. So she really became in so many ways, like, like I said, his big sister who showed him the ropes and helped him to just kind of gain more confidence. And once he did, he now is so cuddly. Um, and I call him my little, my little buddy because he's a Velcro dog. He follows me everywhere. He's my little shadow and he is just so spunky and full of energy. He, him and Nina love chasing each other around the apartment. They play together he loves his tennis ball. That's like his favorite toy and he will play with it all day long if you give him <laughs> the option. So, um, which sometimes can be annoying, but it's also really cute. And I, I just love seeing how much he's progressed. And a lot of that, like I said, is due to Nina as well. So wow. they are a beautiful pair. Perfect pair. Honestly, it sounds like fate. I think you said this earlier at the beginning of our conversation, but it feels like they were supposed to be in your life and like they came at a time when kind of like you needed them and they needed you. Yes. Yes. I, I absolutely think they did um, both of them in so many ways. And so I'm just very, very happy to have them both. And I, I try to share about them as much as possible on my platform so people yeah. can see. Um, and so that has been great too, just because I've been able to connect with other dog lovers and cat lovers and animal lovers in general. And I think these are always the best people. Animal lovers are always the best people. 100%. I agree. Like since doing this podcast, honestly, I've met so many amazing people who just seem so pure hearted and nice. And I love connecting with animal lovers. Yeah, I love that you're doing this podcast. I think it's such a great mix between like cats and health and wellness because they do contribute so much to our well-being. So yeah. it's a great it's a great uh topic, I think. Yes. Yes. They're our biggest teachers as I've said earlier. They really are. I agree. <laughs> um do you have any funny stories about your dogs that you could share with us at all? Ooh. Okay. So I have so many, but I think one that kind of stands out to me, it's mostly about Nina just cause she's, she's like a ham. She's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I brought her to 
one of our family's houses, they had an outdoor pool. This was over the summer, several years back. And there was a small group of us. She was so excited to be part of it, running around the yard, um, just like really happy to be there. And I decided to jump into the water. And as I was coming up, I felt her land like right on top of me. And somebody got this on camera where you could see like in her mind, I jumped in and she was like, oh my goodness, I need to rescue her. So she like runs, jumps in and she thinks she's rescuing me. But the problem is Nina is the worst swimmer I have ever seen out of any dog. And my dog Brownie was a better swimmer. So just imagine this dachshund, her front legs are going a mile a minute, but her <laughs> left back leg just like tucks into her body. So she starts to like tilt over and it's like the weirdest looking thing you've ever seen. So here she is like swimming on top of me, like clearly trying to save me, but also trying to save herself. And so I'm grabbing her and trying to bring her out. Everyone's just laughing because it is the most ridiculous sight. I'm in the deep end. I'm having an issue. We both get out and she's like very pleased with herself afterwards. Like you could tell that she was like, yeah, mom, I just saved you. Like thank me for that. But it was just, it was so funny. Like I can relive that so many times because it was the weirdest sight ever. Did anyone get it on camera? So I, you know what someone did and they sent it to me and I don't, I can't find the video anywhere, which makes me so sad because I had it. And I don't know if I like lost it when I transitioned to a new phone or where it is. I hope I can find it because it was so funny. And the memories in your mind anyway. That is so cute though, honestly. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It'll live on in my memory at least. Exactly. Exactly. So I saw your post about testing dog's DNA, and I'm intrigued to find out more about this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I partnered with a brand called Wisdom Panel, and it allows you to take a quick swab test at home of your dog's mouth, and then you send send it back to the labs to get it analyzed. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really great for rescue dog owners like myself, just because I had no clue what Nina and Chip were, aside from from me guessing that Nina is part dachshund and she, and that chip is part chihuahua, but the rest was a mystery. I had always thought Nina was part Jack Russell terrier. Cause she looks a lot like that. And I figured chip was part Papillon or something, but I was so surprised with the results. I was very wrong. So, um, Nina is of course part dachshund. I mean, you can see that immediately, but she's also majority Sheltie as well. Okay. I would have never guessed that. So Shelties are Shetland sheepdogs, but it actually make a lot of sense with the coloring of her coat. And when I started looking into what are Shelties, uh, personalities like, and what are their behaviors? Nina has a lot of them. So I was like, Oh, this makes a lot of sense. And like somewhere down her gene pool, she also has some yellow lab in her, which I think is weird. Yeah. But, you know, just like way down there, I think like her, her great grandparents or something. Mm -hmm. um, And then Chip is part Chihuahua, as we had guessed, and also part mini poodle, which I never guessed. Yeah. So he, he does not have a poodle coat. He definitely has like the long haired Chihuahua coat. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that he could have been, like I said, Papillon or even just part Dachshund because he's quite long and he's bigger than a lot of Chihuahuas. He's like 10 pounds versus like a five pound dog. So 
I was genuinely surprised, but I think it's a great thing to do. It's a fun experiment. Um, it really gives you a lot of background info about the dog's gene pool, but also what I liked about it was it gives you some of the health risks mm-hmm. that they might be prone to based on their genetics. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely something that I think is worth looking into if you don't have a purebred dog or you don't really know what breed your dog is. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's really useful. Um, I've not thought about that before, but I can see why you would do it. And it makes so much sense to know those things for sure. Yeah, I mean, it definitely goes beyond just knowing, like, just for fun. It's like, yeah, it's really yeah. good to have an understanding of your dog's background. And um, it, it just for so many different reasons with the health, but also for personality and training mechanisms and, yeah. and the list goes on. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that uh, little piece of information. But it's been so, so nice speaking to you. Honestly, I've been really looking forward to talking to you. And now I finally get to talk to you. And I'm yeah, this has been everything that I thought it would be. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, lastly, if our listeners want to find out more about you and your accounts online, where can they find where can they find you? Yes, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest at Headstands and Heels. So if you look up Headstands and Heels, you'll find me there. You can also visit my blog, which is headstandsandheels.com. And I recently added a private Facebook community, and they're currently going through like a 30-day journal challenge right now. But if you're interested in being part of a smaller, more intimate community, I have a Facebook group also under Headstands and Heels. Thank you so much again for sharing and I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. Um, But yeah, it's just been a pleasure and an honor speaking to you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. I had so much fun. Good. I'm glad. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We have some amazing guests on the show who share such invaluable advice, stories and inspiration. Can you do me a favour? If you like this podcast, please could you rate, review and subscribe. This will help us reach people who can benefit from listening. Another way you could help is if you could tell a friend who you think might enjoy this podcast too. See you next week. Goodbye.